Great. Well, it's good to be here. And uh, Bob, do you have a watch? you have a watch on? I don't carry one either. Isn't that great? Boy, aren't we blessed. Ah, oh, great. Well, last week, Alita and I, weekend, Alita and I got an opportunity to get away. And we went to Big Bear. And, uh, you know... There, there's a song that I listen to on K-Love that uh, this gal sings that uh, you, you can't take the, the church out of her. is something like that. Probably got the words messed up, but for my purposes, that'll work right now. And so Alita and I, uh, we thought, well, we ought to attend church up here. But when I tried to find the Nazarene church, all I could find was a Facebook page. And it says, click here if you want to find out when and where we meet. So I did that. Pretty soon I got a message after I left my phone number. And uh, come ahead, 3.30, Sunday afternoon, we have a Bible study. So Alita and I went uh, to that Bible study. Now, you have to understand, we've been on the receiving end of people visiting so that it was just a few more than a handful, and we always appreciated it. And uh, we're always encouraged in the small churches that we served in. And so uh, uh, we, we thought we were going there to give them a blessing. Are you getting where I'm going with this? Well, we got there and Bella, he was leading the Bible study, about, oh, maybe 12, 13 people there. And a beautiful home. And... He wanted to do a Bible study on Jesus, the light of the world. And uh, he started, and oh, powerful Bible study. But began to pick up that this fellow wasn't all that polished. And uh, as he shared a little bit of his life, a few things began to, well, he talked about adultery, he talked about prison. He talked about being in the Marines, and I was thinking, wow, this man is, uh, he, he, he was something for the Lord to deal with. And he, I, I was just so curious. So after the Bible study, I, I, I said to him, Billy, tell me your story. And Billy began to say, well, when I was just a little kid, and he's about 80, I think now, but when I was a little kid, my uh, my mama felt like I ought to be in Sunday school, and so she sent me to the Nazarene Church in, in the area and city that we lived in, Highland Park in L.A., and a fellow by the name of Gunstream, that's a weird name, let me tell you, Gunstream was the pastor. Well, what's interesting, I said, well, my wife's a Gunstream, and uh, her, her mom uh, was the, uh, the sister to, to the pastor that was in the church. And so uh, she wanted her boy to learn about Jesus and had sent him to that Sunday school. Only, uh, well, I'll tell you, uh, let's go about 50 years, maybe 40 years, and they were having a celebration now. And uh, might have been a 50th. And so uh, Pastor Gunstream is there and Billy Cash, who was the kid, he's there. And so he asked Pastor Gunstream, do you remember me? 
Pastor Gunstream said, well, no, but I sure do remember your mother. She called me up and uh, she said, I thought you were going to teach people there about Jesus. I've been sending my boy to learn about Jesus. And so when he comes home, I said, well, what did you learn today? And he said, oh, they talked about this guy named Jonah. And then next Sunday, they, oh, they talked about this lady named Esther. Next Sunday would go by. Oh, they talked about these 12 guys that followed Jesus. And uh, that would be the gist of conversation. So she called up the pastor and said, Hey, I sent my kid to learn about Jesus, and I expect you to teach him about Jesus. How come he's learning about everybody else but? Well, that was a pretty powerful lesson to me and impacted me. Uh, years later, years later, this fellow had been in the Marines. He had left church long before that. His home had split up. He had become a policeman, but his life was full of drugs and alcohol at the same time. And uh, so that when he retired, he was a basket case, attempted to take his own life. He ended up in a psych hospital, maybe for about a month. When he finally let him out, they said, no, you've got to go and get counseling. And uh, you've got to go to AA. And they, he said they gave me two or three things. And when I got out, all I could think of what my mama wanted of me. She wanted me to hear about Jesus. And so I found a church, a Nazarene church, the next Sunday. And fortunately, they were talking about Jesus. And I couldn't wait to give my heart and life to Jesus. And now, 12 years later, he was leading a Bible study on this wonderful topic, the light of the world is Jesus. Today, Pastor Bob and I are going to be tag team preaching. Only I'm getting out of the rink, and I'm not getting in until he's done. So uh, we want you to understand, Pentecost, yes, is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon the church, but it's really all about Jesus. Come ahead, Pastor Bob. Wait a minute there, Paul. Just a minute. Got to make this official. Oh, yeah, we're supposed to tag. That's right. (laughs) Well, thank God. Pastor Gordon's been going through the book of Philippians, and we wanted to stay faithful to that. So after uh, Paul and I have had this lengthy time of thinking about what would happen today... Uh, Last night I read through the book of Philippians and uh, recorded all of the statements that it makes about Jesus. And I want to share every one of them with you today. So I've got both sides of this paper. Kind of uh, had my trusty fountain pen and uh, wrote those down. So I think there are about uh, 60 different entries there. And we'll just try to... Hit each one. Spend five or six minutes on it. We'll enjoy that. When you look at the book of Acts and you hear about Pentecost, we're going to have that uh, screen here for Acts one or Acts two one to four. Uh, they give to us this really brief but interesting statement concerning what happened 
that remarkable day of Pentecost. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. And they rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, we know what this gift of tongues, this gift of languages was about. Pentecost had brought Jews from throughout the known world to Jerusalem. And you can read there in Acts 2 all of the different national groups that were mentioned. And the disciples go to the street and it tells us that everyone heard them speaking in their own tongue. Now, we know something about language. That even in bilingual situations, you really understand best in that native tongue that you grew up with and that shaped your life and shaped your existence and gave meaning to who you are as a human being. So those people who were going to leave Jerusalem and go home were now going home with something they didn't expect. They were going home having heard this powerful message about Jesus and about what God had done through him. Now, they go to the streets testifying about this one Jesus. But there's more because Peter stands in their midst and begins to preach that very first Christian sermon. And you can read it in Acts 2 beginning with verse 14 and reading through the 39th verse. But I just want to share with you the power of the 36th verse that tells us what had taken place. Look what it says. Peter says to these people, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, this Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So, whatever else Pentecost is, the coming of the Spirit that was to make a difference in the life of believers, the coming of the Spirit that was to unify a people, diverse in their ethnicity, diverse in their languages, bringing them all together, that they might know who Jesus really is. Now, I find it very interesting that when we come to the book of Philippians, that we don't find out a lot about the human Jesus. Do you realize that if we go beyond Philippians and we read all of Paul's letters, do you realize Paul never mentions that Jesus ever performed one miracle? Do you realize that? Now, 
Do I believe Jesus performed miracles? You better believe it. Sure do. But Paul's desire is not merely to retell just about what this human Jesus did, but what he accomplished in bringing redemption to us. And at that point, the miracles are not significant. They were significant in teaching about him, that he becomes son of God. But they're not necessary in bringing about the redemption that Paul is wanting to help us to understand. So that the human Jesus is certainly here in Paul's letters, but certainly in a muted fashion. I would urge you sometime to read very carefully Philippians chapter 2, verses 6, 7, and 8, if you want to understand what Paul thinks is important about the human Jesus. Listen to what he says. This one, Jesus Christ, who already existed in the form of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a slave and being born in the likeness of humanity and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. That's what Paul wants us to know about the human Jesus. Now over in Galatians 4, you're going to read that Paul knew he was born of a woman, born under the law. You'll find that out. Paul mentions a few of Jesus' teachings, but he's really concerned about the work that this one Jesus would do as he gave himself as God's offering to bring about our redemption from sin. So when we think of Pentecost, we think about our need not only to be empowered by God's Spirit, but to be transformed by that coming of Christ into our lives that is so vital. I can't spend a few more things I'd like to say, but we need to get on a little bit late. But, Paul doesn't tell us a lot about the human Jesus, but he tells us that the preaching of Jesus was really significant. Now, you've, you've heard these texts before, if you've been a part of Pastor Gordon's series here in Philippians. But let me read you something that I find very interesting. That, that It's hard for me to understand Paul is really saying this. But I want you to think why it is so important. I'm beginning now with uh, verse 15 of chapter 1. And we're talking about now the preaching of Jesus, right? Listen to what he says. Some, to be sure, are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. Did you know that was there? Dean, did you know that was there? Some were preaching Christ. From envy and strife, but some also from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather from pure motives, 
thinking that they are causing me distress in my imprisonment. Now, isn't that fascinating? They're going to try to get back at Paul by their false motives in proclaiming Christ. But Paul gets the last word. He says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in this I rejoice. Now, I can't figure out everything that's going on there. But I do know this, that these these false preachers, well, they're not really false preachers at this point. They just don't like Paul very much. And they're trying to get after him because he's in prison, you know. But they must have been doing something right in the proclamation because he's rejoicing in it. Now, we say that from chapter 1. Let's go to chapter 3 for a moment. Let's look at what's happening in chapter 3 because we're talking about the preaching of Jesus. What I want you to see is that we can preach Jesus correctly even with false motives. And Paul says, I'll even rejoice there. But listen to what's happening in chapter 3. Chapter 3, he says, beginning at verse 17, Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you and now tell you, even as I weep, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite, whose glory is their shame, and who have their minds set on earthly things. Now, here's a whole different group of people, you see. Paul, you talked about Billy. You see, it's not only that we need to hear about Jesus. We need to hear him from a pattern of biblical truth that can reshape and mold us according to God's grace that has been operative through Christ, you see. And I think the key to this text in three to me is found in that 17th verse. Brothers and sisters, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. So if we're going to be preaching the gospel and allowing that gospel to shape us, we need to know that it has that sense of apostolic authority, if you please, behind us. After Paul, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do today, you know, a little bit. Gail sent me to the store to pick up something we needed, so I kind of walked up to the store and trying to clear my mind and say, what in the world do we got in mind here, Lord? But it began to make sense to me all over again 
that our task, my brothers and sisters, is to be so immersed within the biblical truths. And dare I even say, to be able to follow that apostolic pattern Paul has set for us. That the Jesus we serve is not some kind of illegitimate Christ, but it is the one who gave himself that is identified there in Philippians chapter 2 as the one who became obedient even unto death after he had made himself nothing, after he had emptied himself on our behalf, that we might know the wonder of his grace. How awful. How awful to live our life as so-called Christians being identified as enemies of the cross. Can you imagine that? And yet Paul understood that there's a Christ to proclaim. And we need to get that mention right. And Paul, it sounds like Billy got it right. He had some good teaching someplace. Something clicked. And he recognized that this light of the world was the one who was to make all of the difference in his life. Paul doesn't tell us much about the human Jesus. But he does tell us that this preaching and following a pattern is basic to our understanding and what shapes us to be God's people, even by his Holy Spirit. But he does something else I want you to be aware of. He defines the intention of what he really wants. Look at what Paul says in chapter 3, verse 10. Paul says there, in the, in the NIV, it takes a little bit advantage of the, the Greek text and starts a new sentence. But in the NASB, we have it right, even though we're breaking into a sentence. That I may know him, Jesus the crucified one, the resurrected one, the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Now that's what Paul wants. Now let me tell you my story about Philippians 3.10. I was a young guy had dark brown hair. <laughs> you know I was young. <laughs> I was pastoring in Tucson. I don't know, I was 24, 25 years old. And I can remember it was January because we didn't heat the church except, you know, 
on Sundays especially, sometimes on Wednesday night if we thought we could afford it. But I'd go over in the church early in the morning, wear my little green-colored coat that kept me warm, and I'd go over and have my devotions in front of that old altar at Palmdale Church. And I'd gotten a new book by A.W. Tozer called The Pursuit of God. I can remember Tozer's challenge to me. That January day in 19... When I read those words that he had written, quoting the Apostle Paul, I want to know him. Tozer said it made all of the difference in the world to his life. Now, if you don't know the work of A.W. Tozer, he was a great preacher in the south side of Chicago back in the 40s and 50s. Kind of a prophet in his own right in that community. Powerful preacher. Powerful writer. But in that little simple book, The Pursuit of God, he laid out what it meant to know Christ. And it began to change my life. Paul, I didn't, I didn't have enough sense to understand that really what was happening was there was a Pentecost happening in my life at that point. And I would, I would lay on the floor, I don't know whether I mentioned it or not, in front of that altar. Didn't have enough sense to do otherwise. I just lay down on the floor, had my Bible, had Tozer. And tried to figure out what it meant for me to be the pastor of this church. You know, can I tell you a little bit of the church, what it was like? My first Sunday night at that church, I'm standing there. I'd I'd been raised in a small church and I'd pastored in Bisbee. It had been a small church. and Sitting down in the second row down there was board member. He'd helped me move that U-Haul truck up from Bisbee to... Palmdale. And it came prayer time at the church. And, and you know, I was preaching to more on a Sunday night in that setting than I'd preached in Sunday morning down in Bisbee. You know, it just seemed like everything was different and new. And I didn't know any better. I didn't know you were supposed to ask people if they'd pray. So I called on my board member, knew him by name, called his name. I said, would you pray for us? I'll never forget. He folded his arms, looked me right in the eye and said, Nope. I didn't know you could say nope in church. It had never dawned on me that that was even a possibility. Well, folks, it didn't get any better after that. But it was a real learning experience. And God used those people to teach me what it meant to know Jesus. And to experience Pentecost 
even in that sense of an awareness of who this Christ is. I want to know him. You see? We're never going to know everything. And Paul doesn't care to teach us a whole lot, but he wants us to get one thing right. That this Jesus brought power from his resurrection, fellowship in his sufferings, and the ability for us to be conformed to his death. Now those three things, they're significant to us as we grow in grace and we understand what it means to follow Jesus. And Paul says it is all brought together in that last phrase of verse 11. If somehow I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Why is it important that we know Jesus? Because he is our path to eternal life. Well, there are lots of paths to eternal life. Well, okay. You're going to have to wrestle with that one with Paul. I'll, I'll just turn him loose on you. I'm not going to argue that with you. If you're on several paths, go right ahead. But I know there's one. And through his life and death and resurrection, Pentecost reaches us to take us even to eternity itself. One of the fun things that District Assembly is being with people you haven't seen or you just enjoy being with. So I'm sitting next to Paul yesterday during the, uh, what we used to call the Memor service. Dealing with the, remor- the memorial of those Nazarenes who died across the district. We saw some names of our beloved who passed from Mission Church in this last year. And I just nudged Paul and I told him, I said, Paul, <laughs> you know our names will be up there in a while. And that's okay. That's okay. What we want to do is to be prepared for what that transition is going to mean. You see? And we do it as we know Jesus. I want to know him. the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, if somehow I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. And now, my brothers and sisters, this has been a busy day. But we've got one of the more important things to do. And if you can bear with us just a while, we invite you to do it. Pastor Paul is going to come and lead us And if you would like to be anointed 
for healing of any kind. We will invite you in just a few moments. But come, my brother, lead us this morning. And as our praise team comes, what if Billy had just gotten out of the psych ward at the hospital and they told him he had to get counseling and go to AA and all kinds of other stuff but all he could remember was what mama said go and learn about Jesus that's what Pentecost is all about it's about Jesus and the proclamation of Jesus thank you for coming let's stand at this time I challenge you to go in the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaiming the gospel just as those who were filled with the Holy Spirit on that first Pentecost. May our response to the Lord Jesus be that we share him with those in our world. Go with God. God bless you.